Good morning. There are two copies here which I'd like to begin with. And at the end of the Shir Mitzvah for a few minutes, we're going to hear an Ivrit uh, from the Rashiva who's here from Rehovot, Avaria Cook. And for those who uh, want the translator, somebody from the UN will be offering a little thing you can wear in your ear and you'll be able to uh, get the Hanav. So we began discussing Yoshio HaMelech. The very good news is that he's going to do very incredible things coming from really nothing, because although his grandfather did tshuva, his father did not. Only lasted a couple of years, but he's quite young as he takes the throne, as an eight years old. So what he remembers the last two years, he was six. So what, is he, what does he remember already? To compound the issue, and I will highlight this as we go along in the Pesukim, they're very intimidated, not by the eight-year-old, but by the fact that they had a very bitter taste and some sad historical evidence that whenever you bring a Sefer Torah near any of these kings, it's dangerous to the Sefer Torah, dangerous to the people. And whenever you talk from Kite religion, it could backfire. And they don't know exactly what to do with him. It's hard to judge an eight-year-old. They don't know what he will be, what he's thinking. And that's going to explain a lot at the beginning of the kingdom why there's less interaction than should have been, could have been between the royal house and the Navi. And the fact when they find the Sefer Torah, it's a chiddish nifla, and they're sort of maybe thinking of bringing it to him in a very hesitant way. So we're going to get into that either this week or next week. Uh, check before you come. I don't know if I'm going to be here. It depends if I go back to the convention, which is unlikely. So check your email. Go to the first page. There's a copy of the first Israel in Shkolem. Take a look at the Mishnah, Perik Vol, Pasuk Aleph. One of these Ramazim. Whenever we're talking about the Vesem Metis, there's always something hidden underneath something. And we don't know exactly what we're going to find, as it is by even the excavations today. Culture can then. Shlesha, Sasha, Faris. You see the Mishnah? Listing various things in the Vesem Metis. And what they did, how many there were, Shlesha, Asa Shochana, Shlesha, Sreya, Shtachavias, Hayyiba Mikdash. They used to do a Shtachava, they used to bow down in certain places, certain Kashiva places. And there are 13 Mekaymas where they did his Shtachava. And the Mishnah brings down, this is in Bayashani, obviously, Shabbes, Rabbi Gomliel, Shabbes, Rabbi Kainim, who we know from Sochim, Hayyiba Shtachava, and Abba Sreya. They had a 14th spot where they bow down. Hechen ha'isi yaseira keneged dir ha'etzim, which ostensibly was just a makom where they stored wood. Wood was always in large supply because they had a lot of fires in the Mizbeach and it had to be going all the time. So they had this dir ha'etzim, pretty nondescript place. You have to have a place to store ha'etzim, but nothing in the basement dish is uh, just a storehouse. There's always a lot of depth. It's obviously, tremendous amount of kedusha wherever it is. Kenegadir eitzim shekem aseres biyadam avaseim shesham ha'aron nignaz. They had a masera that the aron was nignaz, not in the storm as you'd walk in somewhere. Obviously, 
many, many, many feet below, but that was the makam, closest makam you could get to showing that Eshashlana covered. It's generally agreed upon, somewhat from Achleikis, where the Aaron was. Was it in Bavel? Was it in Eretz Yisrael? Everybody, I can't say everybody, but there, there are many Mepharshim that suggest that, as this Mishnah is alluding to, the Aaron was Nignaz ahead of time. And from the vantage point of this year, we would even say way ahead of time, but it's not so long. It's just going to take us many, many months to get there. Yoshio saw the handwriting on the wall already, and he gave it Sivoy to take the Aaron out of the Kedusha and hide it very, very, very deep in Harabayas. You can imagine, I didn't say anything on this, you can imagine the tumult. They're finally having a mass chuva movement, and they're redoing the Beis Hamikdash, and people are coming, and he has a grand carbon Pesach. And sometime during his reign, he's not going to live that long, unfortunately, Sometime during his reign, he's going to realize that as much as we've accomplished, it's still sliding toward the Chorban. And when it comes, it's almost not even an if, when it comes, the Goyim are going to come in. They're going to burn down the base of Mitzvah. They're going to take many things. Can't get their hands on the urn. So whatever we do, we have to make sure that it's not here when they come. So we, I think, would say, okay, diet we're still going to do tshuva, which they can, and tshuva can only save us the last minute, which it can, even time of melech, and um, 20 minutes before, we'll figure something out. Interesting, very fascinating, there's not a whole lot written on this decision. I would think the decision was not very popular. I would suspect the decision should be met with a lot of resistance from the Chachamim, from the Sanhedrin. I don't know, maybe it was, maybe they had a DNA on it, maybe they put it to a vote. He's not going to do anything without Sahedrin. The, the opening Pasuk of the description of this king is that he was not veering left or right, and he listened to them. So the decision was to hide it now, even though we're decades away. And now we have a Kodesh Kedashim. There's no R in there. Just by his vision. All of a sudden, that's a pretty, not a pretty important uh, clea. It's the most what? Ah, uh, many, a lot, the love is the beginning of the story. There's, it's not only a lot, it's, if you had to think of one Kli, <laughs> moving the iron is about the biggest decision you can make, and he does it. You had your hand up, I saw some hand up. Yeah. The question that the iron, the, the, the battle, didn't work that often when eventually they came crawling back and they sent the iron back, so maybe it wouldn't even be the worst thing in the world. That's also a consideration. I have to imagine this was discussed. As a matter of fact, speaking of the Aaron in battle, there are many Mepharshim. It's a big Machlekes in the Yishami and in the Mepharshim. What happened over here, there were two Aaronists at one point. Some say they always took the Aaron into battle and it was the Aaron. Some say they never took it and the one time they did it was captured because they did the wrong thing. Some say there were two Aaronists, the Shivri Luchas and the Luchas and that's what they took into battle. Some say the Machlekes, whether it went to Bovel in exile or was hidden beforehand, is Tully in this Shaila, and maybe the one that went to Bovel was the other Aaron, and the one he hid was this Aaron. So a lot of intrigue here on what exactly this was. Then we have the Gemara Kedushin that you have to be Zar Bechfeid Chacham Shoshachach Talmuda because the Luchas and Shiva Luchas and Menachem Aaron, it sounds like they're both in the same Aaron. 
Inkataicha means Menachem in an Aron and Menachem takes place. Two different Aronites. You can get out of it, but it sounds like it's in the same place. So, you know, what your point is, is that even halachically, is this Pashit? I'm suggesting none of this is Pashit, and I don't see a lot because probably a lot not written because the whole thing was sort of a covert operation. If there was a discussion with the Sanhedrin, you can imagine it was discussed very quietly. I can't imagine a full assembly of Rabin discussing this because if you're hiding something, you can't let the whole world know. So whatever the decision was, we know one thing. He listened to the Chachamim and he asked somebody. And somebody made a decision which he enforced by royal decree despite its lack of popularity that this thing is disappearing overnight and no one's going to know where it is, the Yechideh Skula were given the Messiah that it's way below, but go to the Dira Eitzim, and there are passageways and hidden passageways and staircases and whatever, and nobody knew where it was. They had a Messiah, it was below here. This is what we know of the Harabais today. This is typical, but only because we're used to it, because we know the history behind it. It's somewhere there, and we generally paskin it somewhere there, and if it's even a machlekes, whether there was a second Aaron that was taken the bubble or not, we assume the one Aaron we're thinking of is here, and the Mishnah puts it down and says, even had an extra hishtachava. I can imagine there was a burning Yetzirah, Yetzirah Here, they had a Masaira, it's somewhere, they're doing hishtachava, and people, that wasn't missed. And... I would say there were probably people who tried to come in the middle of the night and start digging down, but that tight security in the base of the dish. And if the Messiah is they shouldn't do it, they shouldn't do it. And yeah, it was dangerous. You're saying it was dangerous to go looking, yes. There are even stories about Maris and Achpela. And this is Kolshikei and Kavachamer, Ben Benesho Kavachamer, yes. Good question. The answer is based on a, a long piece from Rabbi Yankov. talks about this a couple of times in his Sefer and Chumash. And he says they knew, they understood when they came to build Bayashani that Bayashani was not a Gulish Lema, it was really an extension of Gullus Bayashrishim. And Baruch was bringing them back for four centuries plus as a reprieve to be able to start working on putting down Teresh of And the many reasons why Klai Yisrael had to, I call it in my Shiva discussed on Chumash a booster shot, almost that they needed more to get them prepared for 2,000 years of Gullus, which in hindsight we now see was a good thing that we were prepared. And they understood since it's not a Gulish Lema, we're going to go back, but we're going to be missing already the Chamisha Dvarim. It wasn't just the Aaron, because the symbol of the Bayashani was you're back and Baruch Hashem, we have the Avedah and you're back in Eretz Yisrael, but it's going to be difficult and you're not going to have the Gilu Shechina. And we didn't. Shemina uh, Tzadik had the, uh, the Nair that was burning. We have on that Hanukkah a couple of Nisim, sort of Nisim Gulim, and we had Siat Shmaya, but if you look at Tukufa's Bayashani, it, besides the beginning of Hanukkah, Remember his great grandchildren, Matisio himself, his grandchildren were already some of them with Sadukim. And it was barring a few stable errors, it was pretty bad. Better than being in Europe with pogroms and it got worse after that, but it was necessary for the stabilization of the preparation of what they needed, 
And the message was, this is not it. And so I call it Ikvaser Dimashicha, or better in that case, uh, preparation, Hachana Lagolis. It wasn't, a, uh, wasn't even a Shatat Gulub because it got worse afterwards. The Aaron was one of one of five things, and that was part of the part of the picture. So again, Hechal Haisi Yisera Kenegadir Eitzim Shkem Besar Biyadam Avaseim Shasham HaAaron Nignaz. Take a look at the Teferis Yisrael and Dalid. The bottom line, in case you're wondering, Yeshua Melach Gunza Sham Shabiyamav Kvaryadu Alpinavi Shahuchlata Gzera Shiyecher Famikdash. Pretty sad pretty sad that they lived under a circumstance, even with the Gezerah. It doesn't mean you can't do tshuva, but we had the best there was in terms of Allah and Yeshio HaMelech, and Sitkio was a personal tzaddik, even though his cabinet uh, really wasn't cooperating and won't be cooperating. But the resurgence that we're going to see now in this parak is unparalleled. And it still doesn't work, and they had this pit in their stomach, so to speak, and this feeling and this idea that it's not going to work, it's going to push it off. We spoke about the time of Chizkiah already, so what good is it? It's always good to do tshuva. It's always good to be firm and keep the mitzvahs. You can't say what good is it, but in terms of the national program, what they accomplished, the answer is they got X amount of Jews back with the program enough that there was the critical mass that when the Chorban comes, they're willing and able to go on and continue Kalei Yisrael which is, I always like to point out, we're all sitting here, anybody sitting here learning this is a living proof that that was necessary. So Yeshio had a very difficult, it's very hard to work on something with Cheshek when you know that the real goal of averting a Chorban is not going to work, the Navi told you so already, but you have to work, Ke'ilu, you're saving Klai Yisrael, because even though it doesn't look like you are, but you are. And that is probably one of the biggest hidden Yesaitis in the end of Malachim Beis. I'm going to repeat it a few more times. So it looks like, uh, okay, you tried, you tried, and this isn't very encouraging. Uh, the answer is no. If you don't do this, there's nothing left, and you're ensuring the survival of Klai Yisrael. So even though Therese Saul points out quite clearly in Mishnayis, he knew, and we're going to see this in the Pesukim, it didn't stop him from working very hard his whole life to bring Klai Yisrael up again, and it works. They're going to fall, but um, when you fall from here, you go to here. If you fall from here, you go to here. So, big difference. If you take a look at the Bayaz and Aleph. Question? Yeah. Is this me, is he saying that normally we say that a Yes. That's why I uh, try to tone it down a little bit. It's not clear. There are Rayas from Tzitkio and his Matzav is the last matzav coming soon, and he was a tzaddik, and the Navi came to tell him things which he wanted to listen to but couldn't. question is, had he listened, what would have happened? It sounds like from the Navi, I'm getting ahead of myself, that he would have survived and his sons would have survived, and perhaps it still would have been a gullus, but more would have survived. We're trying to get as much of a critical mass that we can, and he couldn't even do that because those surrounding him were Rishayim and had a total Yiddish of listening to any Navi and weren't cooperating. The other possibility is, uh, you can still save things. It sounds like, and we'll see this, if you're looking for this Yisrael that the phrase Yisrael now warns us about, you'll see it more clearly in the Pesukim. It sounds like there is a level, we know by the Dar Midbar, we just spoke about this, 
after the Chet Maragam. Hashem made a shvua, they're not going in. And then the Mafilim said, no, we're doing tshuva, and we're going in. And the tshuva samishkal is, we were cowards before, and we didn't have bitachon, we didn't have amuna, And we're going to fix that up. And even though it's dangerous, so Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, no, Hashem said, you can't go. And he said, no, we're going anyway. They thought that was the, the Nisayim. They were going anyway, we're going to do tshuva, this real tshuva, is that you're not making the same mistake. This time we're going to be brave. And they want to take the Aram. Speaking of the Aram, they were using it then. That was protocol. Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, the Aram's staying here. And when Moshe Rabbeinu says the Aaron's staying here, it's staying here. And they went without the Aaron. And they felt, no, that's also any sign. We're going to beat them anyway. Well, without the Aaron, without the Dvar Hashem, without the protection of Hashem, and you're fighting an enemy a hundred times your size, unfortunately, somebody's going to get killed, and everybody got killed. So what happened to the Tshuva? The answer is the Tshuva, and it would have been accepted. But sometimes the Gzeira, where the Shvua is, it's going to be accepted, and your children are going to go in. We'll give the Messiah over to them that they have to be brave, and they have to have Bitochem, and they can't make this mistake again. But this tshuva is out of bounds. That's rare. That's relatively rare, pretty deep concept, but it exists. So it could be this is one of those examples. It could be the means that the Yom of Kfar Yodu means they had a sick feeling that it might not work or probably won't work and therefore not taking any chances with the safety and security of the urn. That's a possibility. How, how do you know this? Uh, We're gonna, we didn't do the to The Navi will tell him. Like it's, it's, it's coming. Shaila is again. Yaakov is asking, okay, he told them, but a Nevula Ra, as opposed to Nevula Tov, a Nevula Tov once it's said, cannot be taken back. A Nevula Ra, you can always do tshuva. Is that always? I gave you one example in history, aren't too many. Mavilam is an example. Hashem made a shvua, you're staying in the midbar, you're dying here, and your kids are going in. That was not rescinded, and it was not debatable. Question is, is this another example, or does Tfarisol mean that, well, we know in hindsight it wouldn't work, and we know that it was extremely difficult, they weren't willing to risk the Aaron, the most prized asset of Tfarisol. Yes, Kriya Shema, anybody didn't say? So take a look at the Bayaz and Aleph. You ready for this? This is, uh, people like the uh, sources of names, where the name Yoshio come from. Sounds like a very inspiring name, anything with Shem Hashem in it. The Bible says, "Al Shem Kachnik or Yoshio Rotzalama Kfar Nis Yayish Akash Baruchu." What's the next word there? Oh, Kaviyachol. Okay, Kaviyachol Mehem. Kuvdiot. Kaviyachol Mehem. Nis. Now, sounds like a very inspiring name, Yoshio. Yoshio. If you want to darshan, you darshan. Hashem is going to save them, and He has the Siat Shmaya. I got Hashem, Hashem in here. So the Baya says, no, Yoshio is Kfar Nisyayish HaKosh Baruch Hu Mehem. Nisyayish. Now, the good news is, unlike the polar opposite of what the Umas Ha'elim think, Hashem never gives up on us. And that's why we have Sheva Denechemta. After all the horrific nevuas that Hashem's going to take out his anger, Hashem took it out on Eitzim and Avanim, and we're still here. But Yeshio, if he knew this remez, or if he figured it out, he knew it at eight years old, even if he figured it out midway, or we figured it out afterwards and he didn't know, because that could also be pretty depressing for somebody who's trying to turn Kleisel around doing a good job. Maybe it's better he didn't know, but we have Messiah that's shot in the name. Pretty, pretty frightening. That's number one. Number two. If you, actually, let's read two psukim just to see this, because this 
Rabbi Yankee is, is going on the third pass again. Perichov Beis Pasuk Aleph Ben Shmona Shana Yeshia B'Malcho Shloshim V'Acha Shana Malav B'Yishalayim V'Shem Ima Yedida Bas Adaya Mi Bakhtas. Now, Bakhtas again. I mentioned last week the names of a lot of cities. These aren't cities far from Yishalayim. These are villages because the entire Shevet Yehuda Benyamin existed in a very small area. So these are small names, uh, great people. And I'm sure she has some schus, even though she was married to somebody who did pretty bad things. But still a schus. Can't get a better hechsher shnempel than that. We haven't heard that in a long time. Meaning he was learning on the job. He was only eight years old, didn't have much of the Messiah intact. He's trying his best, and when he figured out that he's got to listen, he always listened. So he realizes and trying to put in programs which are going to help Klai Yisrael, so he's very inspired to do a major makeover of the Beis HaMikdash. It hadn't been fixed up in a long time. You can imagine it was in disrepair because of the shenanigans that were going on. His father and grandfather for much of his life uh, did a lot of damage. And his great-grandfather, Chizkio, was on the correct side of things, but they were very poor, most of his reign. So he's going to... Now you're thinking, well, we had this in the Navi last year. Didn't we just do this last year? So keep in mind... We did cover some ground, and it's been many, many years, and he's going to try to have a major fundraiser for the purpose of fixing up the base of Metish. And he tells him, who was a tzaddik, and there were always people coming, and there were even these times giving donations, and he instructions to start using it and start hiring artisans and fixing things up. I would like to mention, it seems from the psukim that this Chilkiyel HaKangel was a tzaddik, which is very positive news. His father was a big Russia. He reigned not too long, Baruch Hashem, and he didn't have time to put in all his henchmen, apparently, because it didn't remove him. And Menashe was in Juva mode, for a few decades, and somebody was installed who was a big tzaddik, and he was still around. That's my conjecture. Or, as soon as Yoshio became king, he put him there. But it doesn't tell us much about him. It's quite possible he was there, and he just wasn't removed. And what we're going to go, in, going to go into uh, after we see this piece, which we'll just uh, begin now for the Shaila is the Aveda that he starts doing to fix everything up and what they're going to find as they're doing it. The embassy act in front of you, if you look on page one, Chazal tell us that even at eight years old, Yoshio Amalek was very smart, very fair, and wanted to run the country with not only justness, but Alpitera as soon as he figures out exactly what that is. And it's clear in Chazal that he started dining people, as did Davin Melch. He was available, and he wanted to put law and order in place. And he donned people from the age of 8 to the age of 18, 
and further. But any din he did between the age of 8 and 18, when he became 18, he gave back all the money. That's pretty organized, first of all. They had a record of every single din And it's Ruven and Shimon and Shimon and Ruven and Levi and gave over the money and you win, you lose. Made a pshara, pshara kal din. We're talking about an aggregate over 10 years of millions and millions of dollars. And he decided, 18, now he even knows more that he hopes he did everything right, but he's not 100% sure and he doesn't want the achrayas. And he started giving back all the money, not from the person he gave it to, from his own pocket, which is godless. He didn't have to do that. This is what they had, Zemashiyesh, and did and he tried his best, and, and he probably consulted, and, but he was such a tzaddik, he didn't want to take a chance, and he started giving everything back, which he did. And what Yaakov is going to discuss is two things. First of all, he was eight years old when he started. Eight and 13 is five years. Can you be a dayan as a cotton? Uh, more important question, can you be a king as a cotton? Now, you can yarshan the malucha. We had that already. But they had a regent, and we had already Yoda. We had somebody else running the country, basically. They were just preparing him here. It sounds like he was really running the country. And usually, al-pidin, there's no chalais of anything if a person is a cotton. There are no dinim. He, can't, he doesn't have, you can't create lashma. There's no, what? Shlomo was 12. At least a 12-year-old is a mufla, samach lish. At least like I've been a darm, there's some Apialacha, Shaila Mufa Samakish, the Rais Durabana, but there's some his Nadar Machal, there's some level of Chachma more than an eleven year old even. And Shlomo woke up one morning, shortly afterwards, and <laughs> was smarter than anybody else at any age. Okay, yes, I stole still not a goggle, true. But we also don't know he had some very, very famous Dine Terra. We just don't know exactly how old he was when he did those, and those were out of the box, if you recall. Uh, so that wasn't even a regular din terror. But to be a dayan, to be a king, there's a din of godless. Is there a din of godless or not? Very interesting, Shiloh. And Rabbi Akka is going to discuss, well, what's godless? So I'll throw out another fact, and that is that we know from the Gemara Sanhedrin that Darius Rishayim used to have children at eight years old. Al Cheshman from Batsalo. Batsalo was 13 when he was called upon to build the Besamitish. Does that change the age of godless? It's a very fascinating point. What is godless? So many Rishayim learned that godless is Allah Mashi Sinai. Shirin, Chatzitzim, Machitzim, Matzoka, Shirin, under Shirin, some Rishayim spell out, is all Shirin, Kazayas, 13, 12, the Shir of godless, Allah Mashi Sinai. So Abiyakov assumes if it's Allah Mashi Sinai, so you can have a floating Allah Mashi Sinai. It can change if they were matured earlier, then the, then the din is, Bar Mitzvah is 8. Abiyakov assumes not so. I'm not sure why. Right, so why can't you just have Lachmash Sinai that it goes with physical maturity? Rabbi Yaakov doesn't even entertain. He seems to double partial that can't be true. And he'd rather say that some Bishan Mahold that Shirin does not include Bar Mitzvah. And if it's not Lachmash Sinai, then you can start discussing. Ramesh, interestingly enough, in a Chuva, assumes the double partial that the Shirin 13 never changed, even when they were having children at eight. Like half of this here. He assumes like Rabbi Yaakov. I think it's an interesting as Why can't you say Lachmash Sinai is totally in the Gaulas? But. Apparently, Lachmash Sinai, just like the Raman says, is no machlekes, can't change. It can't be a floating shear. Shimon and Levi, they're being a riot, but that was just an uh, asmachta that they were, it's called a mish, and that's when they were 13. But they were 13. Maybe they have been for ish earlier, right? The, the 
but there were 13. But there they say there were 13. Here, the Gemara's whole cheshpin with the ages is that there must be, they're figuring out who's, who's good with Basheva, who's a grandchild, that they were mailed, the only way to figure it out, the only way it works with the numbers is they were mailed at eight, which we have no problem with. They mature, you're asking them if they can mature later. Nowadays, it might be the other direction. Then they matured earlier. So at least half the Bishayim assume that if, if it is Lachman Shesina, Yaakov says it doesn't float. And if it's not, then there's what to discuss. But the whole shine was fascinating. Can you don? Did he get back the money because he felt I was a cotton? Well, it doesn't say that. It sounds like he gave back the money from 8 to 18, not from 8 to 13. Just he felt he was a tzaddik. He felt maybe I didn't do it right. So I don't want to take a chance. Shail is how do you have a, a chalais din of a dayan or a mellow for that matter if you're a cotton? What could a cotton really do if he might be a very smart boy but he's a cotton? So that's the Shaili is going to discuss. We'll pick that up either in a week or two weeks. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, the Rosh Hashiva to fi- say a few words in Ivrit. Uh, so if um, you can, I'm sure you can follow Ivrit Kala. Uh, and it's our to have. Uh,